Hello, welcome to another episode of Your Cow Daily. I am your host, Mike Cow. Once again, back with the things that you need in our boot. Today, South Africa's case against Israel. Um, where do you even start? Where do you even begin with that? A lot of this uh, today will be me playing um, sort of excerpts from what happened. Um, strangely enough, massive thing you would think only Al Jazeera broadcasting it live. So most of these clips today are from Al Jazeera, apart from one, and you'll see why as the show develops. Let's see who's about. Joanne's about. Nice to see you, my friend. Getting right amongst it, early doors. We haven't sorted the lag yet, but that's fine. We're going to get straight into it before we do. Peter the A to the T, RUN.com forward slash cow daily. That's patreon.com forward slash cow daily for all your supporting of independent media needs. Um, what we're going to do first Tuesday of the month, we're doing like an online drop in for patrons. Um, if you've been part of the Patreon forum, which is turning out nice, you will know that um, people are talking about support and things like that. So it's really just a hangout. Um, half an hour, 45 minutes, something like that, once a month, kind of a brew. Uh, it's going to be straight after Cow Daily that day, so it'll be 11 o'clock. So that's first Tuesday of the month, 11 o'clock, straight after Cow Daily. Holler, who else is coming here? Yeah. Jacqueline's about. Nice to see you, mate. Nice to see you. Joanne Sinch, she saw the Twitter notification first. Don't worry about it. We're here, man. We're here, getting it done. And as I say today, I really wanted to just be um, covering and putting a historical record around what's happening and getting a lot of the stuff in one place. Uh, today was South Africa's case. Tomorrow's Israel's response. So that'll be interesting, won't it, Grot Bags? Right, let's see what we're doing. Just want to start with this. Um, on the screen, it's a slide, and it's a father from Gaza. This is what he said. The doctor told me there's a small hope in my son getting better. I left the hospital and came back, and I didn't find the hospital, the doctor, or my son. Imagine that. So we'll be doing things today with that in mind. I am speaking from a personal perspective, and you know, I haven't been bad and coming forwards about it on this show. Um, I've made myself see these things, bear witness to them, and it's not got any easier over the past few months, to be honest with you. So I'm more than happy to see what's happening today. Um, people need to be held accountable. And do you know what else is beautiful? Beautiful. We've got people from a country who freed themselves from apartheid stepping up on behalf of other people in the hour of need who are experiencing apartheid. And for me, that that I just think is it's a wonderful thing. People have emancipated themselves from oppression, not forgetting where they've come from and standing up. It's a beautiful thing, man. There has to be absolutely something wrong with you if you didn't think so, honestly. So anyway, let me get into some of this. So on your screen, you're about to hear it if you're on the audio. Um, from the peerless at Saul Staniforth, doing quality work once again on your Twitter. This is Adila Hasim speaking at the ICJ in The Hague today. The first genocidal act committed by Israel is the mass killing of Palestinians in Gaza in violation of Article 2A of the Genocide Convention. 
As the UN Secretary General explained five weeks ago, the level of Israel's killing is so extensive that nowhere is safe in Gaza. As I stand before you today, 23,210 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli forces during the sustained attacks over the last three months. At least 70% of whom are believed to be women and children. Some 7,000 Palestinians are still missing, presumed dead under the rubble. Palestinians in Gaza are subjected to relentless bombing wherever they go. They are killed in their homes, in places where they seek shelter, in hospitals, in schools, in mosques, in churches, and as they try to find food and water for their families. They have been killed if they failed to evacuate in the places to which they have fled, and even while they attempted to flee along Israeli-declared safe routes. The level of killing is so extensive that those whose bodies are found are buried in mass graves, often unidentified. So that First, was an excerpt there from the deposition by the South African side at the ICJ today. Um, I found it quite tough putting this show together today. It's brought up a hell of a lot of stuff about how I have felt. And I think a lot of people who are doing this work um, have felt the same way. And I'm lucky to have been able to speak to some of those people um, and just get a sense of support and solidarity, I think, because, you know, if you're going to make st stuff about this, write about it, whatever, you have to, to bear witness to it. And that's one of the things about this work. And um, yeah, it's it, just seeing this today, it's been like hard, but also it's like kind of bittersweet in some respects because, you know, we're starting to see at least some semblance of accountability. Now, how it's going to turn out, who knows? But it's happening. And it's an overwhelmingly positive thing and also a little bit overwhelming. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard, man. It's just hard seeing all of this stuff. It's probably traumatized us over the last few months, but you know what it is? We're not stopping. Not a chance. Not a chance at all. So, on we go. So something I want to read out for you today. It's somebody I know wrote it, actually. He's a really wonderful person and a great man. And um, he's wrote this from Jordan. This is a person called Hani Barguthi. Um, and this is a piece called On Journalists in Gaza. Uh, Hani reflects on the connection between journalism in the UK and Gaza and the complications of advocating for one while the other is under attack. So sit back, everybody, and let me read. So, Hani says, it's a confusing experience these days telling people that I work to support independent journalism in the UK. Hani works for an organization called PINF, which is the Public Interest News Foundation. 
as a support of this country's indie news sector, and he goes on, I spend my time thinking about sustainable business models, big tech, duopolies, dominating digital markets, and corporate giants eroding journalism's democratic functions. Since late December, curious family members and friends have asked about my job during my visit to my hometown, Amman, Jordan, where I'm based for the next few days and carrying out my PINF work remotely. In response to their questions, I describe our efforts to support the right of UK communities to accurate, trustworthy public interest news that reflects their realities and speaks to their needs. I talk about our plans to address the very real and urgent challenges faced by the sector, knowing that whoever I'm talking to has just heard, like I have, about another Palestinian journalist killed in Gaza. Sitting in Amman, less than 150 kilometers from Gaza and closer still to the West Bank and Israel, it is a confusing experience being consumed by business models and tech duopolies and corporate maneuvering. I think to myself, surely the profession that in the UK fights to survive economic challenges cannot be the same one whose workers in Gaza are fighting to survive indiscriminate bombing. Wow. But it is, and Israel's killing of Palestinian journalists on an unprecedented scale has put the differences within it in painful, stark relief. We must not let these differences blind us to the fact that the values we uphold for journalism in the UK of speaking truth to power and informing citizens to enable them to participate and thrive in democracies are the same values guiding the journalists who, whose lives have been sacrificed in Gaza. These are values worth fighting for and values that we expect those in power to treat as sacred and non-negotiable. More journalists were killed in the first 10 weeks of Israel's assault on Gaza than have ever been killed in a single country over an entire year, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists. Of the 120 journalists killed in 2023, according to the International Federation of Journalists, more than two-thirds were in Gaza. Most recently, an Israeli drone strike killed Hamza al-Dadoui and Mustafa Thurai while they were traveling on assignment. Thurai was a freelance videographer for Agence France Press, while al-Dadoui worked for Al Jazeera. Al-Dadoui's father, while is Al Jazeera's Gaza bureau chief and himself was injured on assignment since October the 7th, while has lost his wife, several children and a grandchild in Israeli fire while continuing somehow to report on the war. As the aggression has unfolded since Hamas's attack on October the 7th, 2023, evidence has mounted that Israel is targeting journalists and their families in the besieged strip. CBG reports 72 dead Palestinian journalists, while the IFGA reports 78, and Gaza's Ministry of Health reports 109. Dozens more have been injured. Four Israeli journalists were killed during Hamas's attack on a music festival in a kibbutz on October the 7th, and at least one of whom was on assignment. Three Lebanese journalists have also been killed in Israeli strikes on Lebanon since then. The numbers from Gaza mean that, by some estimates, one in ten Palestinian journalists has been killed in the last three months. If that figure were applied to the National Union of Journalists in the UK, I would be writing about 3,000 dead journalists in the UK. Just think about that, man. Hani goes on, emerging technology is a concern for journalism everywhere in very different ways. In the UK, for example, the sector and the government explore artificial intelligence and the dangers it might pose to press sustainability and intellectual property. Meanwhile, the IFJ reports that AI is being used in the violent campaign against Palestinian journalists. The Israeli military has previously boasted about its AI targeting systems that allow it to identify potential victims at great speed and scale. Israel is the home of some of the most sophisticated surveillance systems that have repeatedly been used against journalists. Without proof to the contrary, all the evidence points to the assassination of reporters and camera operators. This cannot be allowed to continue. The Federation said this week 
We should all be worried if the wanton killing of journalists in Palestine, Ukraine, Israel, Lebanon, Afghanistan, India, and elsewhere continues without consequence. We join the NUJ and IFJ in calling for an end to the target killing of journalists in Palestine and globally. We hope that 2024 sees a reversal of the devastating trends that 2023 held for journalists. But what we have seen in the first two weeks of the year does not inspire optimism. As advocates for a free, sustainable press that underpins and opposes democracy and holds power to account, we should all speak up when those in power try to decide where, when, and for whom these values apply. Hani Balguthi's campaigns manager at PINF. A powerful piece, I'm sure you'll agree, and something that um, I think all journalists should read um, and take heed of. You know, there's there's a lot, a lot to be going over there, and a lot to be um, getting understanding of, and trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes from their perspective, from their um, their their norms and values, and also their families being close to that to that conflict horrendous just awful you couldn't imagine it and as i as i say i know honey and he's a really great person so it really um really does upset us you know to just see and understand all of this so anyway just move some of the things along on there and we're going back there were tiles walk here it's right um something another colleague abla um had put around i just seen it it was from the 6th of january it was just give you a bit of um, a sense of what's going on in the ground this week um here we go media statement immediate release british charity funded health center for children with disabilities abcd bethlehem and no shams refugee camp damaged by the israeli defense force idf in major raid no shams refugee camp south of Janine in the West Bank was raided by the IDF on Wednesday the 3rd of January 2024, causing considerable damage to over 50 homes and to the ABCD-funded Centre for Children with Disabilities. That is just one of a multiple amount of absolute fucking outrages. So damaging a, a home for children with disabilities now. I mean, the depravity of that, the flouting of international law, be interesting to see what they've got to say tomorrow. I'm, I'm literally sitting on, on the edge of my seat trying to find out because all of this fucking bollocks won't fly in a court of law. So let's see if it's um, dealt with with the disdain that it deserves. I hope to God that it is. Um, previous guest on the show at Andrew Feinstein. Andrew Feinstein was a. Uh, um, former MP for the ANC, alongside Nelson Mandela, um, was mentored by Desmond Tutu. And probably um, the biggest luminary thing he's got in his pantheon is he was a former guest on this very show. So this is what Andrew has to say. South Africa's presentation to the ICJ thus far has been exceptional, overwhelming, and devastating. The only way the ICJ doesn't impose interim measures is if the judges are open to pressure from the West. South Africa's lawyers have done the non-racial post-apartheid country proud. Great to hear, and I'm inclined to agree. Um, I think we should have some more. Just bear with us. I shall show it to you. There's quite a bit more, um, a bit less me talking, more tea drinking. I just want people to know about this and know about the great work that fantastic human beings are doing on, on behalf of humanity, because that's what it boils down to. International community continues to fail the Palestinian people, despite the overt, dehumanizing, genocidal rhetoric by Israeli governmental and military officials, matched by the Israeli army's 
actions on the ground. Despite the horror of the genocide against the Palestinian people being live streamed from Gaza to our mobile phones, computers, and television screens, the first genocide in history where its victims are broadcasting their own destruction in real time in the desperate, so far vain hope that the world might do something. That was Blinda Grahi at the ICJ in the Hague today. Amazing. Like, there's, there's more to come as well. <coughs> Just bear with us. I hate it. <laughs> it changes the tone a little bit. But I've done the thing that, I sh that you should never do if you're making things. Eat a bit of chocolate before you go on. And I've got this gloop going on. Not good. My apologies. <laughs> if you, you can hear it down the mic. My further apologies. Right, we're going to go on a little bit more. I want to hear it. And we want it in one place. So you've come to the right place. Speak in a bit. In a powerful sermon delivered from a church in Bethlehem on Christmas Day, the same day Israel had killed 250 Palestinians, including at least 86 people, many from the same family, massacred in a single strike on Magazi refugee camp. Palestinian pastor Munther Ishaq addressed his congregation and the world, and he said, and I quote, Gaza as we know it no longer exists. This is an annihilation. This is a genocide. We will rise. We will stand up again from the midst of destruction, as we have always done as Palestinians, though this is by far maybe the biggest blow we have received. But he said, no apologies will be accepted after the genocide. What has been done has been done. I want you to look in the mirror and ask, where was I when Gaza was going through a genocide? Indeed. Indeed. And let us all ask ourselves this. At the end of the day, right, if we're conditioned to accept that Palestinian lives are expendable, they're not, quite clearly. Then we can be conditioned that anybody's is expendable if they're demonized enough. And I think anybody who's been paying any form of attention over the last few years will know all about demonization, will know all about what it is and how it's deployed as a weapon. And we can say no, and we do that by being a bit brave. Unlike certain other people from the Labour Party, which we will be bringing up later. But in the meantime, let's have a look at the comments. See who's kicking a boot. Hello, Elizabeth. Nice to see you. Let's go through. Jenny Schramm's in the house. She's saying, it's hard, isn't it? Love and hugs all around. Right back at you, mate. Jacqueline Hemmons has, how can anyone not say this is evil? We live in horrific times. I've no idea, but like people who um, don't think there's something wrong with this, there's definitely something wrong with them. So at the very least, and I'm scratching the bottom of the barrel here, we're going to understand who's who and what's what. So it's, it's, it's a learning experience. <laughs> That's the one. Peter Cox in the house. Nice to see you, Peter. Sustained attacks sustained by the world's government. So I purportedly post this in the name of profit. Hard to argue with that, mate. Boz Morris, nice to see you. Gotta love South Africa, says Bob Grady. Nice to see you, Bob. 
Have to, didn't you? Got to. Right. Let's. I just want to show you this. Right. You may have seen this. You may not. So on the screen, there was a whiteboard, and it was from one of the hospitals, um, and it was used as evidence today. So it says on on there, whoever stays until the end, we will tell the story. We did what we could. Remember us. As I bring the slide on for audio people, we say it destroyed as the hospital was destroyed. A hospital. So anyway, at Laura Pidcock, something I want to point out, right? Here's the thing, right? Like, Saul Staniforth put a video in Laura's quote, tweeted it, and Angela Rayner makes the debate on the anti-PDS bill by making it clear the Labour Party opposes boycotts and sanctions against apartheid. This Labour leadership would have been on the side of Thatcher opposing sanctions against apartheid in the 1980s too. True story. Here's the thing, right? Do you remember, like, not so long ago, Laura was the Labour MP, Rayner clearly still is, greasy pull time, <laughs> and... Um, you can guarantee, right? And I'm pretty sure of this. If Laura was still a Labour MP, she'd say exactly the same as what, what she said here in response to a former colleague. A staggering statement, over 28,000 civilians murdered, of which 12,000 are children, 1.9 million people displaced, over 100 journalists murdered, schools, hospitals and homes destroyed, and this from the Labour Party. I'm truly sickened. Tell them. Fucking class, man. Like, that's what you want, isn't it? Just tell the truth. That's all you want. There's no mealy-mouthness about Laura there. Just tell the truth. Tell the truth. And if you look, she's been consistent, consistent, consistent. And it's important that we highlight these things and the people that are standing up. As was said earlier, remember where you were and what you were doing when there was a genocide in Gaza. And I, I tell you, like, if you want to know what's going on, Go to follow Laura. She'll tell you when the protests are, all of that. She's constantly, constantly been doing it. Um, putting videos out one last night where she's like, look, I know I'm saying this all the time, but please get along to these things and please speak up. All the respect in the world, and it's got to be got to be highlighted. You're not and are not. So hold on a minute. Let's let have a look. I'll just play that clip. Rina. Rina. Angela Rayner, man, just can you imagine being her? Like, what even is this? Check this out. Let me start by making clear that the Labour Party completely opposes a policy of boycott, divestment and sanctions against Israel. I wonder if the young Angela Rayner would look at the older Angela Rayner now and be proud. Who knows? Similarly, this was from Sky today. It's Sky's International Affairs editor, begins his report from The Hague by telling us it's a moment of grave peril for the Jewish state. and Many Israelis are offended by the accusation of genocide. Is that right, is it? That we hear it. Good morning to you, Dominic. So tell us more about this case then. Well, this is a very big moment for Israel um, and a moment, I think, of grave peril for the Jewish state uh, because it is for the first time facing the charge of uh, carrying out genocide, in this case being brought by South Africa, which I think is particularly offensive to many Israelis, particularly given the fact that Israel was founded in the aftermath of the biggest genocide uh, in history. Right. <laughs> Where do you start with this stuff, man? Like, how is that how you open up your report? How? 
you you reference the Holocaust, all right, an absolute crime against humanity where people were held accountable and it was said never again. But never again for who? Never again for who? All of humanity. So that's what this is about. So what these false equivalencies are about is just more, and it speaks to what Annie was uh, talking about in his piece I read out earlier. This is absolutely just, is this journalism that we're seeing or is this some form of propaganda? I've seen far too many um, pieces of footage of dead people, innocent people. You're going to try and tell me that the toddlers I've seen with the legs blown off are in Hamas? Just shut up, man. Speaking of that, seeing this, British Board of Deputies of British Jews, if in doubt, blame Jeremy Croblin. What they're saying is the South African government's position on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has been perfectly summed up by the inclusion of Jeremy Corbyn as part of their delegation at the ICJ. Mr. Corbyn notoriously once again described Hamas as his friends. Oh, my God. Are we going to have to debunk all of this stuff again? I mean, we've all, when we're trying to do, oh, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to read it out. Mr. Corbyn notoriously once described Hamas as his friends, as well as an organization dedicated towards the good of the Palestinian people and bringing about long-term peace and social justice and political justice in the whole region. The grotesque nature of this description was fully apparent at the time he made it, but was proven to be the world on October the 7th. Apart from in South Africa, it would appear where Hamas officials visited Cape Town just last month. Right. The Tom Bombard is here, right? I've seen too many murdered children. All the murdered children. So you can do whatever you want to boot the ballot boy Croblin and who's visiting who and all that. I don't give a fuck, right? If your ideology, whichever ideology or the ideology that you're supporting with your statement, if that happens and your ideology produces dead kids, then I'm against it. I don't care who it is, what it is, all of that. October the 7th, straight out in a condemned Hamas. Civilians are not legitimate military targets at all. At all. Ever. Across the board. Hopefully the ICJ sorts it out, because these fucking arseholes won't be. Anyway, speaking of arseholes, Here's Keir Starmer at JRC1921, another fantastic account, doing great work. A decade ago, Starmer was at the International Court of Justice accusing Serbia of genocide. The evidence was in the statements and speeches of Serbian politicians, the propaganda in the Serbian media and the video evidence. Today, he defends Israel's right to do this. There's also some screenshots of an article back then on the screen for audio people. If you want to see these things, you can go to www.youtube.com forward slash QDaily. That's QDaily. More. Mark Kennard uh, writes for Declassified UK, the peerless, in my opinion, Declassified UK. He says, quite rightly, the empire has never been more exposed. The media has never been more exposed. The door is now ajar. We have to kick it in. Rallying cries from your man Kennard there, and uh, couldn't agree with you more. And one of the things that I would like to play out with, this was shared by Howard Beckett, and 
a crying shame that he didn't win the Unite election. As we've seen, as Sharon hasn't been great, has she? Sadly. Anyway, going to play out with this. What this is, is last night. Palestinians in the West Bank singing the South African national anthem. South Africa taking Israel to the International Court of Justice has offered hope that the genocide will stop. Biden, Sumac, Starmer, von der Leyen should be in the dock too. Word life, Howard Homie. This is a beautiful thing. Let's hear it. Get themselves ready. Get some flags flying for all the other people. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for being here today. This has been Cow Daily. I'm the internet, Mike Cow, and we are going to be back possibly tomorrow. Thanks, Swing It. I've got a bit of other work to do, but I'd like to come back here with you and have a look at Israel and what they've said in response to this. So please do share this. Let people know all about it. And um, blessings to South Africa. Like I said at the top of the show, it's a wonderful and beautiful thing that people who are victims of apartheid and apartheid system have freed themselves and now they're standing up for freedom for other people living under an apartheid system. Quite frankly, that fills my heart with great joy and brings hope. And I tell you what, in 2024, we need it. All love to you and uh, as I say, if I can possibly make it happen, I'm going to be here tomorrow. Keep my fingers crossed. And don't forget for patrons, we're starting the first patron drop-in. First Tuesday of the month after Cow Daily, 11 a.m. So um, get involved. And in the meantime, get involved in the patrons forum. If you haven't already signed up, patrun.com forward slash Cow Daily. 
want to make one of contribution to a work paypal link in the description it'd be helpful cheers chaps all the best see you later